Hi, we're the Rices. We've been married for 12 years. We have six kids from the ages of nine to zero, and we're full of passion to raise a household that serves and honors the Lord. And we want to encourage others to do the same. Welcome back to the Raising Rices podcast. We are so excited to be back and rolling. We are in season three, episode two. And to tell you the truth, our seasons and episodes don't really matter. <laughs> it reminds me of that game. What's yeah, the... whose line is it yes. anyway? Where the points are made up and don't matter. Exactly. Um, if you've been following along, we left off on a podcast episode talking about biblical worldview before we took our break to move from Oregon to Idaho. And um, then we had two more podcasts in between. But we're back kind of continuing on with that conversation. It was actually one of our most popular podcasts. Yeah. And that conversation really lended itself well to our last podcast yeah. that came out last week. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, uh, even though it was addressing October kind of and using discernment in a biblical worldview in that application, it's still worth giving a listen to because it is a constant thing that should be on our minds when it comes to thinking about applying our biblical worldview. And if you kind of want a framework of reference of what it means to have a biblical worldview, jump back to our previous season <laughs> and you can catch up on some podcasts where we talk about applying or, or having a biblical worldview and what that really means when we talk about it. Yeah, and today we get to talk about the application piece of um, applying that to our lives, to our children's lives, to our family dynamic. Yeah, because it's one thing to kind of have a theory or an idea out there that says, hey, a biblical worldview is a good thing to have. I have a biblical worldview, but it's a whole nother thing to really apply it. And so that's what we're going to try to kind of talk about today. And it all stems really out of our conviction that the biblical worldview and the application of it starts with the parents. It starts with their modeling and it starts with their teaching. And so that's kind of the first thing that is our conviction. And so when we are talking about our family and we're talking about discipling our kids and our home, all of it starts with us. And so we have to one model and two teach. Which means that we have to be um, not hypocritical in we need to be first and foremost studying the word living out biblical truths, attending church, and, you know, all of the things that we are um, encouraging our kids in that we have to be doing first. And let me be the first to tell you, I mean, we have six kids and I have gone through over 10 years of sleepless nights, breastfeeding, um, making like seven meals a day. <laughs> And it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge to make time um, for devotions, for reading my Bible. But um, two things that I've been convicted by recently. First is that, um, well, actually three things. Can I say three things? 
first is that um, before I had this idea or this perspective that I needed to wake up early and to read my Bible and then to be ready for the day and roll, you know, when the kids were up. And while some of you are able to do that, and that is amazing, continue to do that, please. One thing I was convicted by was it's okay for my children to see me in the morning spending time in the Word or praying or listening to worship music, um, that they can see that and experience that. I actually have a memory of my mom reading her Bible at the kitchen table when I would wake up in the morning. And so things like that, even though they're not in your ideal, perfect, let's have everything done and ready so that you can have full attention to the kids, it's okay to um, have that trickle into your day. Second thing, um, I actually heard from Angie Toplin, who is part of the Courageous Parenting. She would talk about um, how we're supposed to feast ourselves on the word, but sometimes it's okay to have snacks every every (laughs) once in a while. So put your Bible out there and have a snack. Um, And third, we've been really inspired by Lexi and Brian Suave. Am I saying mm-hmm. their name right? They do the podcast Bright Hearth, and they just talked about how um, we, uh, specifically as moms, Lexi was talking about, but are in a state of worship always when we are putting aside ourselves and our needs to further the kingdom of God through our children. Um And of course, I probably will misquote her, but when she takes time to discipline, when she's not able to go to church because she's caring for a sick child or um, things like that, that it's um, the mercy of the Lord to give her that opportunity to do um, mothering and discipleship in that way for this season that she's in. Yeah, that is all really, really great stuff to be considering. It's, it's important, I think, uh, I hear you saying that we are really modeling, not thinking that we have to have some perfect display that yeah. comes on in our families, but that we model for our kids the, the process of sanctification. We model for our kids the application of our worldview really being hey, my worldview says that the most important thing I can do is pursue the Lord and read his word and worship him. And so that is the attitude with which we approach our day. That is what we do with our day. And I think that's where that like rubber hits the road kind of Mm -hmm. where we're really applying what we say that we believe. We say we have a biblical worldview, but are we applying it? Another like, much different application that I was thinking of that kind of came to my mind was sometimes we say we have a biblical worldview and then we keep a bunch of movies that are like adult R-rated movies or or whatever it is that is kind of you're like, well, but it's okay because I'm an adult Mm -hmm. and I'll let the Lord convict you on what those things are. But that was something that came up in our life a while ago, which was just like, well, if we say we have this worldview, then why are we filling our minds with things that aren't in line with that worldview? And so that's just a, an application that it then trickles down to your kids mm-hmm. when they know and see that mom and dad also choose not to watch things that are not healthy or that celebrate evil. 
And so just all of those kind of little points where we get to apply first Mm -hmm. and model for our kids and for our family what it means to have that biblical worldview. Yeah, it's so funny. We... We went through our DVDs. I don't even know how many years ago this was. And we'd look at the DVD, and it might not even be rated R. Like, it could have just been, like, something that we just didn't need to fill our minds full of. And there was a series of movies. uh, I think there was, like, four or five of them in it that I had watched as a young youth, I don't know, young adult. And it was like difficult for me to throw away those movies because I had such a strong tie. I had memories, all these things, but it was really just not a movie series um, that I needed to be watching and filling my mind with. And then the, the question that I asked myself was, would I want my children when they are that age, when I watched it at that age, would I want my children to watch that? And the answer was no. And so then we got rid of it. But it's so interesting. And I know this is probably a totally different podcast topic, but just to give you, again, some rubber meets the road instances that those ties, those connections, those draw to the culture and to what you experience as a young person does stay with you even into Mm. your adulthood in the silliest of ways. Like you wouldn't think that I would be attached to like some, you know, teeny boppy, you know, movies or whatever, but it is. And that's just um, a little bit of vulnerability, I guess, on my part to let you know. Or like another example, just today in our family Bible time, we were reading in Matthew chapter 5 and uh, verse 43, I think Jesus is talking about loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. And so how easy is it in our world today to say, I'm a Bible-believing Christian with a worldview, a Christian worldview, and then you run around and you complain and complain and have bad things to say about the leaders of our country. Mm-hmm. When, which is so easy to do. Which is so easy to do. But. And <laughs> scripture commands us to pray for them. And it was just a great opportunity for us to, A, try to work on our sanctification and modeling what it is to pray for our leaders that they would come to know the Lord and repent. And then two, to teach our kids that the reason why people commit evil acts and celebrate evil and do all sort of unjust things is because they don't know the Lord. Yeah. And so all of these kind of opportunities to model and then out of those modeling opportunities comes teaching. Yeah. And if I could jump in here, we, um, when we first started our homeschooling experience, I met several sweet friends that were involved in this co-op called classical conversations. And we did it for a year. It was super awesome. Um, we just couldn't afford, uh, the numerous amount of children we had and to do the program. But one thing that I gleaned from it that I think that when Darren and I talk, we can see this um, already playing out in our children is that there's like a method of teaching that trains the mind through three stages of learning. And while everything is not cut and dry and, you know, written in stone, I think it's a really great way for us to kind of break down stages um, to give you practice tips about how we do biblical worldview in those different stages. Right. Because sometimes I think the idea is that when we're teaching our kids, 
the idea of teaching your like four-year-old worldview is unobtainable, right? Yeah. It's like how like they they can't even quite figure out like some basic math and like deduction and <laughs> problem solving, let alone applying worldview to the world around us. So I think you're onto something really good here. Yeah, and it's really easy to say. <clears throat> Oh, well, they're four, so I don't need to worry about it. Oh, right. Yeah, that's the flip side. (laughs) Like, just let them learn whatever they want. Yes. And everything is true. Yes. That's not a, that's a worldview in itself. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. No, no. Sidetracked on worldview. Well, it's good. You have so much wisdom. So the stage one is called the grammar stage, but let's just talk about it in like, what happens during that stage? Um, they The children absorb facts. They lay the foundation for advanced studies in the future. So you can kind of think about like a house, right? Like we're just laying the foundation. And so I would say currently probably four of our six kids still fall into the grammar stage. We're talking about maybe like second grade and younger. Right. Right. Yeah. What is that? Seven, seven, six, yeah. six, and seven, six and seven and younger and younger all fall into this grammar stage. A lot of like memorization happens in this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, biblical vocabulary starts in this stage. Verse memory. Like you can think of like Awana's programs right. if you've done anything like that. Yeah. And things like books of the Bibles, mm-hmm. uh, things like hymns or catechism. Yeah. All of those type of things like you're just filling their minds with foundational truth. And these are the truths that as they progress, they will learn to logic and reason from. But it's so important that even when they're little, 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 you are just teaching them truth, truth, truth. And as you're processing things and you're applying the biblical worldview, the teaching emphasis for them is, this is what is true. This is what is true. And that that really lays the start for what we've seen our, our oldest two kids start to transition into, really, which I think is really fun. Yeah. But before we get into that stage, um, since we do have the privilege um, and the opportunity because it aligns with our values and we think it's super important is we get to homeschool. And one of the things that we decided within our homeschooling is that we were going to take a significant chunk of each day to do Bible. And like half almost. It does feel like half for sure. And even though I said like four of our six kids fall into the stage of grammar, even our two older kids still participate in grammar, meaning Mm -hmm. that Anyone and everyone can participate in absorbing facts. Like, I'm still trying to learn verse memory now. Yeah. But the awesome way that children are designed, and we were this way when we were younger too, is that you do absorb so much. Like, think about how many words a small toddler learns. And I can't even, like, replicate that in a, in a foreign language, let right. alone, you know, they can, like, pick up everything. So their brains are wired that way. So... Um, when we gave you some examples, I just want to kind of just give you a little bit more about what we do in our homeschool day that it might be helpful if you have any kids in the grammar stage, since we do have so many in that stage. Yeah. We talked about books of the Bible. We memorize the books of the Bible through song, but we're also working diligently to memorize the style of writing of each book of the Bible and who wrote it. Mm-hmm. 
And um, we practice and then Darren quizzes us. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> the kids love it. Um, we do a long passage memory verse each month and we try to have it tie into whatever Darren um, is teaching. So he helps me decide like which one to do. Like our first month we were doing Genesis 1-1 through... 27, Mm -hmm. right? And we've just felt really convicted a lot lately about um, six days of creation. And so it was really good to kind of have our children memorize that. We do that through song as well because it connects the left and the right brain together. Um, We do hymns and not everyone does hymns. We probably look like a crazy hymn family because we do it during homeschool. We do it during family Bible time. But we actually didn't grow up with a lot of hymns. Yeah, I mean, we grew up with, like, the classics, yeah. the the old-time favorites, but not, like, the collection of, like, four and five verses and tons and tons of hymns. And they just, so many of them teach such great theology. And I think, though, that you don't know they teach great theology until you have that appreciation later in the following stages. Right. But now that we're teaching those songs, it's like laying the foundation, right? And it's through song, like you're saying, I'm much less of an educator than you are. But it connects the brain together, and the kids learn and know the words. And so it is just like building those truths. Yeah. Um. One that I really want to kind of hone in on is catechisms. Uh, we've been working through the New City catechisms, and there's some amazing catechisms out there, right? Like, doesn't what's another? Yeah, there's one? a Westminster yeah. shorter and the New City catechism, but there's other older catechisms yes. too. Yeah, and it's kind of setting them up for stage two, which we'll get to in a second, but it asks you a question and then they memorize an answer. So maybe in the grammar stage, they might not know what the answer I mean they know the words but they might not know the heart of it right um but in stage two since they have that foundation they can start to um grow on that right we also do bible reading and like character building things but um let's talk about stage two yeah so I mean stage two is really where they start connecting the logic of the truths that they've learned and then reasoning and arguing through counter or unbiblical worldview perspectives or arguments. And so frequently, I think we apply this in our family Bible time a lot where we'll read a passage and then I'll maybe like do a little skip the skeptic, like (laughs) put on a little hat and say, well, is it saying this? Yeah. And, and they will look at you and they'll be like, wait a minute. No, (laughs) because that counters something that they know is true. Yeah. Right. Something that they know is the, the truth that is the foundational thing that they've learned prior. Like just today, I mean, you already talked about reading in Matthew and it says, be perfect as God is perfect. And the kids are like, no, no one is perfect. Yeah. Because in our catechism, catechism, the question is, you know, is anyone without sin? Right. Right. And no, since the fall, you know, everyone is born in sin. Yeah. And so they were, they were pushing you on that. Right. Yeah. And so you, then you read a scripture and then you have to. Uh, apply it to the context that the scripture is in and you have to apply it to the context of all of scripture and then you hermeneutically interpret it and 
make the application in your life for what it means. That sounds really weighty, by the way, <laughs> what you just did. But that's why we study, right? That's right. why we, you are listening to godly men in your life. And that's why you are pursuing um, your relationship with Christ and have found tools to find the answers. Right. Because like, otherwise, then you're reading through scripture and you run into something like that and you're like, whew, I don't know. Yeah. And it's totally okay to <laughs> and say it's that. okay to yeah. say you don't know because like, even the other day, Noah mm-hmm. came to me with a question, and he's like, Dad, what does this mean? And it was um, from the, the Creed. Apostles' Creed. Yeah. And I was like, oof, I got to find, like, the right explanation for that for you because I don't have it off the top of my head. Well, and it was a really weighty question about, like, descending into hell. And um, it is good for us as adults to have a, an answer for what we believe. But it's also hard, and we know and challenging as parents, to find an answer that is, you know, at the level, but still true. You know yeah, what I like mean? yeah, like you have to push your kid, like find the balance between answering the detailed question, yeah, in a way that they can understand it, but in a way that doesn't oversimplify it. Because right. sometimes we fall into a trap of oversimplifying something, and then we we lose what really is the complexity of it. And I I don't think you should be afraid of pushing the complexity of something and and leave like so there's many things in scripture that have some mystery. Yeah. And I would also say that it's really important in all of those contexts to be like you've mentioned listening to people and reading and studying and spending time in the word and in prayer with people who are wise that you know that you can trust their application know that you have a catechism that you fall back on know that you have a multitude not just one but a multitude of people who are speaking and teaching the word so that you know hey at least i know that these men are wise and here's three of their perspectives now we can come to a conclusion. And that's not to say that you are relying on others to give you the knowledge of, or to give you the answer because you are seeking the answer, right? Right. But it's also to say like the Lord has gifted wise biblical men for thousands of years. And we cannot just throw away the wisdom that God has given to them throughout. I, I mean, like, again, not to go off topic, but it's so ironic that within the last less than 100 years, the church has deviated from things that have been 400 plus years years in the making, it's kind of like, wait, what about the wisdom of our forefathers? And also equally, if you are an isolated person trying to interpret the word of God, yes, the Holy Spirit is so good and helps us in our convictions, but it is very easy to misinterpret Mm -hmm. or to um, do a, a, a wrong application. Um, if you are by yourself, but if you're studying with someone else, if you're studying in a group, if you have pastors and wise men that have gone before, it's much easier to bounce those things off because what is the heart of man is right, desperately wicked, desperately wicked, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so it's, it's important to not lose the, the church tradition or, or the the application of wise preachers that have gone before us and 
bring and and then bring those into light with today. But I think it's surprising um, how much the truth of the Lord is as true a hundred years yeah. ago and four hundred years ago as it was today. And man struggles with the same things then as they do now. And so you know you can read a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer that was written in 1927. And it's applicable to today's culture like you would not believe. <laughs> and so it's it's just, it, there's a wealth of knowledge out there. And I think as parents, we should be pursuing it so that we can transition into that logic stage with our kids well, and that we can really be prepared to push them beyond that into the next stage. Yeah, tell us about the next stage. Yeah, so the next stage is really just, the rhetoric. So learning to express themselves, your kids, clearly and persuasively. I still feel like I'm in this stage. <laughs> still working on the grammar. No, I'm kidding. I'm I think trying. we're all in this stage yeah. to some degree where we're studying and we're learning and we're seeing the world around us. And then we're trying to figure out what the biblical worldview application is for whatever the situation is. And then how to argue it well from scripture. Yeah. And now in this stage, lots of conversations. Lots. Lots of together studying the word. Lots of pushback. Um, remember, specifically with children, they want to push the boundary so that they can figure out where the boundary is. Mm -hmm. Right? And so they're going to ask things that might keep, get you off guard. They might ask things that you might have concern about and need to take to prayer, you know? Right. But this is how they navigate and come to the conclusion of their own faith. Yeah. And it's this is so Socratic method. Right. right. Yeah. So there's conversation back and forth making an argument for what is right and what is wrong. And I think it's kind of an art that's lost in yeah. today's culture where as soon as you say something that offends somebody else, then they're offended and then you're offended. And now there's no progress made. There's no discussion. There's no, um, you know, it's just constant straw man tearing each other down, you know, personal attacks on the character of the other person and no just real solid debate. But I think that we can look back now, back to 2020, and we can say, hey, this that was an opportunity where even within the church, you saw men and women trying to take the scripture and argue a point for what they thought was right in that time. And there was disagreement between how you apply scripture to the current context and having good skills to have a biblical worldview, to have that worldview well-founded in scripture, and then how to argue that scripture well really is the difference between being led astray by somebody who makes what seems like a good argument mm -hmm. and holding to an argument that, again, takes into account the whole biblical context and the hermeneutics of the passage that they're arguing from. And do you see why the grammar stage and the logic stage just builds you to the rhetoric stage? Like right. You now have a wealth of um, knowledge about how Genesis to Revelation works, right? Like you are in creation to end times. You're not just depicting one verse and trying to argue that one 
um, out of context perspective mm-hmm. when you have already had the foundation of all of scripture, um, different writing styles. I know we talked about that earlier, but that's easy to take out of context yeah. too. And so like, I just trying to give you the example that these things early <clears throat> on are just the building blocks to get to the stage where they're going to de- have a faith and defend the faith and um, maybe have to figure out for themselves, like we said, what that looks like. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe the last thing about kind of faith in this stage is that we want our kids' faith to be their faith. Yes. We want them to be able to be have assurance in their faith and to be able to argue for their faith and to know that, it because of their study and because of their logic and because of their arguing it is their faith and i think that the world leads us astray sometimes when they say well you should let your kids figure it out for themselves so they want you to skip the grammar stage let them learn everything the world has to teach them which is mostly secular humanism Uh and then logic and rhetoric from that worldview that they've been taught where what we would encourage you to do is to teach them as much of the solid truth as you can when they're young so that they logic and build their rhetoric from that perspective, Lord willing. Because everyone is teaching them something. Right. Right? Yeah, there's no neutrality. (laughs) Yes. A couple of the character traits that get developed from having a biblical worldview and having us apply this biblical worldview is both the parents and the children can live more joyfully and more peacefully um because yeah what a wonderful thing yes because it's the outlook our lens that we see the world right and this sets the trajectory of attitudes and outlook on life no longer do you live in fear right because you only have the lord to fear yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Um, no longer do you have worry because you are trusting in the sovereign Lord. Right. Yeah. That's so great. And the other thing that is a character trait that's built out of this too, is just knowing what the foundational truth is. Yes. Absolute. And truth. so those things, yeah, absolute truth. Those things go together. When you know truth, mm-hmm. you know, joy and peace. And so that, that's kind of like where our conviction leads to. Yeah. Is that those are the character traits that we're working on building. And when you have foundational truth, yeah. then when you're a, a presented with a problem or a challenge or an alternate worldview, you have this foundation that you fall back on that makes making the decisions easier. Yeah. And that out of that comes peace. Yes. And it's just, it's this wonderful thing that works together and it's, it's very, very worth it to live out a biblical worldview and to teach that in your home. Yeah. We also believe it actually does, at least our prayer and our hope and what we've seen from otherwise Titus 2 people that have gone before us, that it creates well-rounded thought 
and adults. And, you know, there will be pushback from people that might say, oh, well, you're just, you know, only teaching one thing and you're raising up intolerance. Yes. But the truth is, if you think about it this way, if you've set the foundation and you help them learn to reason critically, then in the rhetoric stage, in the um, where they're learning to express themselves <clears throat> and um be persuasive in their point of view you can bring in other perspectives at that point Mm -hmm. and then they can say okay here it is here is x y and z what do i know about the bible what do i know about um you know thinking critically and does this work with this worldview right and and i don't want to go too far into the weeds but remember that defining the terms goes with the worldview. Yes. And so if you're trying to meet a secular humanist's version of the terms with your Christian worldview, of of course you're not going to be tolerant or loving or any of those things. In their mind. In their mind. But in a biblical worldview... To, to love somebody is to lead them to Christ and to hate them is to let them be lost. Yeah. And to hate somebody is to lie to them and to love them is to tell them the truth. And so, of course, we do these things in all gentleness, mm-hmm. not to make enemies, but to win people to Christ. But know that along with your worldview comes your definition of terms. Okay, I won't go too far. No, I, I think that, that's really good. And we probably should have talked about that more in both stage one and stage two. Terms like what is love? Yeah. You know, you teach what love is. And then in like stage two, then you say, okay, well, if someone says I'm being unloving, let's look back to what love is. Right. Does that fit? You yeah. know what I mean? No, they've changed the definition of love. Yeah. Um, we also think another character quality that gets built by having a biblical worldview and a practical application of it is discernment. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of touched on that, so I won't get too much into it. But there is a lot of things, and we just said in our last podcast, that require discernment. But when right discernment happens and you are in line with God's will, you get peace. Which we already talked about. Right. Like it's all together. You yeah. know, it's all connected. And and it doesn't mean that the road is easy in relationship with right. other people. But it does mean that there is 100% peace in your heart at the end of the day because you know that you're walking in obedience to the Lord. Yes. And your children will feel that. Oh, yeah. Ch- and you, it's okay to talk about the struggle maybe that you're having mm-hmm. at age appropriately um, and then the outcome where you are modeling that piece. And then it goes back to we don't hate that person because they don't like our decision. Right. But we love them even as a brother and sister in Christ who disagree with us strongly on something. We love them as a brother and sister in Christ or we pray that they come to know the Lord. You know, yeah. whatever that stage of that person's walk with the Lord is, again, you're modeling your worldview. Yeah. It's given us a great opportunity to talk about salvation issues versus non-salvation yeah, issues. Yeah, huge. 
Um, but we should do another podcast about that. <laughs> We're like 35 minutes I in. I know. Well, that's okay. okay. You guys wanted this, and I, yeah. I really feel like we owe at least two hours of this. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. We'll just keep going. <laughs> Challenges, yeah. though. Here's a challenge. 40, 50, 60 years ago, it, it was easier I'm not saying it was 100%, but it was easier to call this nation that we live in in the United States a Christian nation. Now, how saved and Christian it was, I'm not sure, but the generalized values were more in line with the biblical worldview then than they are now. And we are very far now from being a nation that has a generally biblical worldview. And so the further we go away from that, the more and more a biblical worldview sticks out as odd. And so that is probably the largest challenge. Mm -hmm. But know this. This is not the first time in history. You're not living something new. You're not some pioneer in the space of being odd because of your biblical worldview for hundreds of years Christians have lived a life that's different than the people around them and we're called to do that yes yes (laughs) and so so don't shy away from it do it in love do it in gentleness but do it in boldness and do it in joy and in peace and know God is sovereign and has selected you to be the parent of the children that you are parenting for such a time as this. You were not born a hundred years ago. Right. Nor were you born a hundred years from now. You were born for this moment as your children are too. So do not be the woe is me. Look, I'm trying to be all harsh right now. I'm not trying to be harsh, but don't be the woe is me. Right. Don't be the, oh, this is harder than, you know, my parents had it. You know, rally and rise up to this moment because this is the moment that you were called to be. And don't be deceived. I know we talk about discernment a lot, but don't be deceived that just because something doesn't seem so bad or somebody tells you something is okay and it's good for your kids and makes them more well-rounded and science says, you know, whatever it is, Don't be deceived by the world around you, but take it seriously because it is our responsibility to live a biblical worldview and to raise up kids that think biblically. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you are saved and that gift of having the Holy Spirit in you, listen Mm -hmm. to that, that voice inside of you when somebody says, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. And you have a stirring. Like, do not silence that stirring. Yeah, when you're like, that doesn't seem quite right. Yeah. Then just just roll with it. Yep. Well, I think we'll pass for now. Thank you. Yeah. Or (laughs) my great response, like for for wives, let me talk to my husband about that. You know, it takes the pressure off. Yeah, we'll shut it down. They will. (laughs) Husbands will shut it down if it is not working. Or the other thing as a really good response is let me pray about it. And these are not just like one-offs about what to say just to avoid it. But no, do that. Yeah. Do exactly what you say. Be truthful to your word and do pray about it. Talk to your husband and about it. And do talk to your husband yeah. about it. Yes. 
Um, the last challenge just kind of goes with everything, but we're going to wrap it up with this. It is important to know what you believe, both as parents and as children, because there will be opposition. And it talks about that in the Bible, that we will be persecuted for the faith that we have. So don't think that it's not coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, be ready for it. Get get yourself into an offensive position mm-hmm. so that you're not cowering to the attacks of the devil. Yeah, and know why you believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. Spend some time researching. Spend some time reading so that you protect yourself from also engaging in the straw man arguments right. and the personal character attacks and those type of things. And if you don't know what those are, let's make a note, babe, that we should go through those because it is people's way to quote unquote argue. Yeah. And it is not debating the topic. It's trying to attack, like you said, you as a person. Right. Right. Or an argument that's not valid in the scenario, we'll go over it another time. Yeah, yeah. So, short example: if you don't want to obey what the government says, then it, it can't be because I don't like the leader, right? And it can't be because they're a terrible person. Like those things, that's not a valid argument. You have to have an argument that is based out of scripture, that's based out of your worldview, that that is hermeneutically sound and and supported by other believers to make the same argument. And so, it. It takes thought and it takes time, but we want to encourage you guys to be thinking about the the world in this way. And hopefully we've given you a few practical application things along the way. And then as we continue in our podcasts, be listening for us to be applying those types of thinking and those types of arguments. And I think there'll be even more practical application to come. just lived out yes. in that way. So this is like a how to think about what you're listening to as well. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We apologize, or was that sorry, not sorry, that we went longer than, <laughs> than our plan was. We do love to keep these episodes to about 20 minutes, so that's something you can just, I always think of wives, like put in your, you know, do the dishes and listen and get yeah. it done. Um, or men, you know, driving home from work or whatever. We want this to be um, for you, for you, for your encouragement, for your leadership in your family. Um, and also, please, if you feel like this is an episode that blessed you, would you just share it or leave a review? We'd love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we pray that you have a great day. Bye. Bye.